its role in revolutionizing retailing in the new millennium. A consultant to a diverse group of Fortune 500 companies and an award-winning professor of marketing at The Ohio State University, Roger D. Blackwell is one of the foremost authorities on consumer behavior and retailing. He is often cited in Business Week, USA Today, Forbes, and The Wall Street Journal, and has appeared on various television shows, including CBS This Morning. The author of 22 books, including the best-selling textbook, Contemporary Cases in Consumer Behavior, Dr. Blackwell earned his Ph.D. from Northwestern University. Acknowledgements It has been said that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but the preparation of this book reversed that process. It began with 1,000 pages of manuscript and, with the help of many guides and fellow travelers, ended with the book you see today. It is a book that I hope you will find not only beneficial and provocative, but also a delight to read. I am fortunate to have good friends with the experience and wisdom to examine critically the concepts and the willingness to read the first draft and make valuable suggestions. Some of these include Dr. David Collett, who started his career as a professor but redirected it toward consulting at Management Horizons, and later Operations and Strategy as Senior Executive at The Limited. Another reviewer of the first draft was Stig Cry, Chairman Emeritus of the highly respected consulting firm, Kurt Salmon Associates. I benefited greatly from other executives who read most or all of the manuscript in various stages of revision. These included Jack Shoemaker, former CEO of Walmart, Don Boyce, Chairman of IDEX Corporation, Tom Moser of KPMG Pete Marwick, and Jack Kale, CEO of Manco, who acted as far more than a source of advice and encouragement, but also as a trusted friend. As you read about each company described in the following pages, I hope you will share my gratitude to the management and staff of the companies who helped me collect materials for the book. Special thanks for going the extra mile are due to Kinko's, J.C. Penney, Applied Industrial Technology, Bank One, Consolidated Stores, Avon, Service Corporation International, PetSmart, Ford, American Airlines, Cardinal Health, Newell, Harry Rosen, Longerberger Baskets, and Enron. While many other companies assisted us as well, associates of these companies endured repeated phone calls from me and my staff and often spent hours searching for the facts that I needed. I deeply appreciate their help. I also want to thank Ed Razick, Senior VP for Marketing at The Limited, for his help. And, of course, special gratitude goes to Leslie Wexner, Chairman of The Limited, Intimate Brands, and Abercrombie & Fitch for writing the foreword. I believe that, next to Sam Walton, Leslie Wexner has probably shaped retailing in the 20th century more than any other individual. I am honored that after reading chapters of the first draft, Leslie Wexner was willing to lend his name and thoughts to this project. If you find this book fun to read, much of the credit should go to Laureen Connolly Rowland, editor at Harper Business, who provided enormous vision and focus for the book. I am also appreciative to Kirsten Sandberg, who started the book on its journey and cemented my relationship with Harper Business. 
The production of the book was coordinated at many points by Kelly Hughes, office manager at Blackwell Associates Incorporated, keeper of my calendar and ultimate support system. I would also like to thank the entire Blackwell Associates team of Sandy Proper, Andrea Ravignani for her research assistance, and John Welday for his technical support. I am also indebted to my colleagues at The Ohio State University, especially the marketing faculty where I teach and the supply chain management group for their research on topics essential to my analysis of supply chains. Many authors give credit to their parents, but in my case, it is genuine. My father's nearly 50 years as a business school teacher and professor have inspired me, and my mother's lifetime in retailing provided me with a first-hand understanding of retailing and consumer behavior that started in my childhood. Trudy and Alfred Stefan have also helped us with many of the practical aspects of life during the time my wife Tina and I have written this book. Their time and support have allowed us to end this process with sanity. The person who deserves the most credit, however, is Tina. She has truly been a co-author, cutting the original manuscript to half the size, suggesting ideas and examples, and participating in the writing of every word of the final manuscript. Without her help and encouragement, and 18-hour workdays, I doubt that this book would have made it from our minds to market. Forward. Business and life are all about changing and adapting. Change keeps us strong. Clearly, business must constantly search for structures that encourage the flow of creative energy. This has always been our goal at The Limited, and it is the topic Roger Blackwell addresses in his new book, From Mind to Market. Today, more than ever, businesses of all types must dedicate themselves to continual learning. Not only do we need to learn as organizations, but we need to provide a learning environment for our associates. When we enrich individuals, we transform workplaces into think places that foster the creativity and knowledge needed to become mind-to-market leaders. Dr. Blackwell has captured well many of the themes that underlie our evolution at the Limited. But the principles and methods he describes can be used by any business to survive and thrive in the new century. In this important book, Dr. Blackwell addresses a number of pressing questions, including How can we expand the opportunities for business in the 21st century? Can we develop new kinds of business organizations that will better enable us to invent, nurture, and grow exciting concepts? Can our businesses draw and learn from each other to maximize performance? Do we have the leanness and agility to maintain and encourage our entrepreneurial energy? Dr. Blackwell answers these and other questions in his book, which, ultimately, will help readers better serve that ultimate master, the customer. Some firms do things right, and some firms do the right things. But the best firms figure out how to do the right things right. From mind to market tells you how to be one of these. Leslie H. Wexner, Chairman, The Limited, Incorporated. Introduction. For more than 30 years, I've been fielding questions about the business world of tomorrow from CEOs and students alike. How can you tell which companies will be around for the long haul, to invest in or work for, they ask, or how can I best grow my firm? And this, 
what's a good business to get into? In my dual roles as professor of marketing at The Ohio State University and as marketing strategy consultant for a diverse group of Fortune 500 clients, I've long been identifying consumer trends that point to untapped niches and new growth opportunities for consumer and industrial firms. And, for years, as I've traveled the globe speaking to executives and their sales forces about the business and retail landscape of tomorrow, I've been thrust into the role of making forecasts. Despite some ups and downs during the last three decades, the picture generally has been rosy. But as we approach the new millennium, the American gravy train has slowed. What was once a competitive environment in which many good players could and did win is evolving into one best characterized as hyper-competitive. This new reality is the result of the convergence of a number of forces, among them the emergence of the harried, time-pressured consumer, overbuilt retail space, a declining middle class, and the reality of the global marketplace that are rightly causing business owners, suppliers, manufacturers, wholesalers, employers, and employees, in Jane and John Q. public, anxiety. These and other factors are putting the squeeze on today's corporations as well as ma and pa businesses. Looking into the crystal ball of tomorrow, I would have to forecast a future in which excellence will be the minimal requirement to stay in the game. We've entered what I call an era of compression, with falling birth rates and shrinking family size, there will be fewer new consumers to buy goods and services. At the same time, veteran shoppers are growing weary of the hunt and spending less time at it than in the past. What's more, with corporate downsizing and increased automation, our economy will be run by a smaller workforce. As a result, the American economy is unlikely to ever again experience the double-digit growth of the post-Depression, post-World War II 1950s and 60s, or the expansion of the 70s and 80s that was fueled largely by women's entrance into the paid workforce. And don't met the ranch on Jack Kemp's forecast of a coming economic boom. Looking at the business environment of today, I'd say that overall, 20% of today's companies are doing most things right, another 30% are stumbling along, and the other 50% are destined to fold their tents during the 21st century. But not all is doom and gloom. In fact, quite the opposite is true for firms that understand the changing marketplace and can adapt to it. Sound strategies do exist for success in the 21st century. No matter what your product or service, whether you make widgets, sell everlasting flower arrangements, or offer shiatsu massage, the winners of tomorrow will be united by a common ability, the ability to penetrate the mind of the consumer. I will go so far as to say that this approach will no longer be optional. One of those I'm-a-progressive-marketer-type frills. It will be mandatory. In fact, those who listen to their customers and in turn create positive images and associations will occupy a spot in that most valuable of all spaces, the gray matter inside the customer's head. Among companies of all types and sizes, the key to future growth will come from knowing, one, how to overcome the problem of too many businesses chasing too few customers. Two, how to know what consumers will want to buy in the future. Three, how retailers can use multiple channels to reach new consumers. Four, how improved logistics can cut costs and increase customer satisfaction. My book, From Mind to Market, examines a number of forward-thinking and acting companies, 
what I call mind-to-market leaders, and will enable readers to develop a competitive edge and, in some cases, establish marketplace dominance in the coming era of compression. It provides companies of any type in any industry with guidelines for shaking up their own supply chains. In the traditional supply chain, retailers sell products that manufacturers conceive and wholesalers supply. It is a linear left-to-right progression in which the consumer stands passively at the receiving end of the chain. Rather than building and operating their supply chain from manufacturer to market, the best firms in the next century will form their supply chain from mind of the consumer to market, creating chains based on consumers' needs, wants, problems, and lifestyles. Those who lead these reconstructed supply chains, which I use interchangeably with demand chains, are already several generations evolved from the traditional business school model of supply chain management. In the future, businesses will need to reinvent themselves and their demand chains based on marketing. Yes, marketing. Though the term may sound familiar, in fact, marketing has been largely ignored by retailers and others in favor of selling. Selling is getting rid of what you have, while marketing is having what you can get rid of. A genuine and dedicated marketing approach revolutionizes the marketplace by fully integrating the consumer within the supply chain to create exactly what he or she wants and needs. Consumers are already vitally connected to the retail experience by shopping at stores, in catalogs, and on the Internet, making the retailer, as a rule, the best point on the chain to collect consumer data. But as businesses of all types become consumer-based, all companies will need to have some mechanisms in place for consumers to express their thoughts and feelings, as well as systems to transform these ideas into products and bring them quickly to market. This consumer-driven realignment is already occurring at our nation's fastest-growing visionary companies. After I spoke at one of Walmart's famous Saturday morning meetings last year in Bentonville, Arkansas, one of the executives commented, We don't sell stuff. We buy stuff for consumers. While it would be easy to dismiss this distinction as mere semantics, in fact, this self-definition not as a retailer, but as a purchasing agent for consumers, represents a key tenet in Walmart's marketing philosophy. Without making similar changes, perhaps only a monopoly concessionaire selling soft drinks and hamburgers in a remote national park would be able to survive by using the outmoded take-it-or-leave-it approach to sales. Whether this consumer-based tilt in corporate America is the result of demand chain management or the driver toward it, the outlook on the business